Hey guys, Amber here. Before we dig in, I wanted to let you know that if you're ready to stand out from the crowd, we have our brand questionnaire available on our website. This will give you a clear vision for the direction of your brand. Whether you hire Copperheart Creative or not, this is the best place to start before digging into the visuals of your branding. We typically only give this to our one-on-one clients, so hop on it while it's available. Visit copperheartcreative.com to purchase your brand questionnaire. Welcome to the Small Business Big Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Zaracor. This podcast is loaded with raw stories from real people running successful businesses with heart to encourage and inspire you along your journey. We will focus on the heart behind the business, AKA you, the business owner, by sharing their heart, their story, and the passion behind why they started in the first place. As a business owner myself, I'm here to remind you that in the midst of the organized chaos that comes with running a business, good things do indeed happen to good people. My goal and heart for this podcast is that you will walk away with lessons learned from people who have walked a similar journey for the inspiration to keep going. Chase that big scary dream. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of the Small Business Big Heart Podcast. My goal when I started this podcast was to highlight the incredible stories of business owners that I know and love. Our stories are what connects us. They give us hope and ignite passion. They remind us to dream, to try, and to honor every part of our journey. Stories are what keep a lot of us going. And I know for me personally, each interview from our first season has done just that. But I couldn't let the season end without honoring one of the greatest storytellers in my life, Kirby Miller, owner and chief culinary experience coordinator at Kanimi Kitchen. To know her is to be blessed with so much wisdom and joy. Whether it's through an intimate dinner party or a big bowl of her customized popcorn, which is so good, Kirby uses her gift of food to cultivate meaningful connections. Y'all, I cannot say enough about this incredible woman on today's episode, and we go deep into her story, learning about how food has impacted her life from even a young age. Kirby and I discuss why telling our stories can transform lives and the simple steps of sharing yours in a meaningful way. She shares how brokenness can be the best thing that ever happened to your journey and how to reframe that season. She shares her story of community and how the people in her inner circle stepped up in one of the lowest seasons of her life. She also gives us amazing advice on personal development and the value of knowing yourself internally before making big decisions or starting something new. Again, I cannot tell you how much this interview meant to me. And if you're doing some inner work this season, you are going to love Kirby and her raw authenticity. She is so generous with her story and her heart, and I am so grateful that she took the time to bless us with her light. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with the beautiful Inside and Out Kirby Miller. Kirby, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to chat with you. You were such a huge impact at our launch party, and just since knowing you, you've had a huge influence in my life, and so I've been really excited to interview you. 
Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be a part of your podcast. I know it's helped countless women who are on their entrepreneurial journey or who are still nurturing the seed of their entrepreneurial journey. And it's an honor to be here and share a little bit of time with you. Absolutely. And speaking of seedlings, tell me about your phone background. We talked about this a little bit before we hopped on. (laughs) What is on your phone background and share it with our listeners? (laughs) So the screensaver on my phone is a picture of me. And before you say, wow, this is narcissistic, it's a picture of me at around six years old. And that's a powerful reminder for me that I have been given the honor and responsibility to create a really good life for her. I think many of us can look back over our childhood and we can pinpoint things that didn't go well. Many of us sustained traumas, if not multiple traumas, things that we can harbor bitterness for and that could overshadow your adult life. And I am not excused from that. However, I have made an active choice and continue to make an active choice to be in the driver's seat and to recoup the time and the opportunity to say that version of me is in my hands now. And it's my responsibility and honor to create a beautiful life. All the things that she imagined and was highly creative and really recoup some of those opportunities for play and joy and boundless creativity. And that keeps me going because I pretty much would bet money on the fact that you and I both in our current versions now and anyone listening, there are some mornings that we wake up in this version of us, we could stay in the bed. (laughs) We could just pull the covers over our head or we can look at all the things that we haven't accomplished or look at the vast to-do list that we have and lose energy pretty quickly. And for me, that's just been a powerful visual representation of visual motivation And I didn't have to look outside of myself. I didn't have to put a vision board of a celebrity or someone else. It's me. It's that younger version of me who deserves a really beautiful life. Oh, yes. And all the hopes and dreams that six-year-old Kirby had. And even looking back, as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, man, like, what hopes and dreams did I have at six? Like, I know I was always creative, but I'm like, it's just so interesting to think about, like, who did you want to be when you were six? Yeah. And that's really the purest essence of who we really are. We're kind of culturally conditioned to believe that we become and find ourselves as we tack on titles and dollar signs and positions. But I am a firm believer that that was the purest essence of of our design and the gifts that we were given. And those dreams weren't just childish, something to put a pin in. Those are really a beautiful, undiluted, unpolluted representation of our truest selves. So it keeps me going. Oh, man. I'd love to hear one day. We'll have to do coffee and figure out uh, what did six-year-old Amber hope and dream for. I know. (laughs) I'm going to have to say my six-year-old photo was not as cute as yours. (gasps) Like, I had, like, bangs that were super cut short. I had, like, all kind of just hilarious outfits going on. 90s babies there. Now we're going to follow (laughs) up with a picture after this. Yep. little show and tell. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We can get that from you and Adam to the show notes. (laughs) That would be great. Perfect. (laughs) Well, obviously, you're a business owner. We're chatting today. I'm so excited because there's some big news coming, Mm -hmm. and we won't dive into that yet. But you have so much going on. The way that we met was through your business, and that's Kanemi Kitchen. And so just tell me a little bit about your business and tell me about how that six-year-old girl is just keeping you inspired through that. Yes. Ah, 
I love to tell a little bit of the story in hopes that it ignites something in anyone who's listening to it in a month from now, a year from now, two years from now. And that's why I share story. And that's why it's important for all of us to honor our story and not rush to dilute it or, or figure out why it's not respectable or why it doesn't deserve to be told. All of our stories can be medicine to someone else. And Kanimi Kitchen was born <laughs> about four years ago in the more formal sense of a business. And it was an embodiment and continues to be an embodiment of something that I've done forever. And that is pull people together and connect them in a meaningful way, oftentimes with food. And I knew that my Kanimi Kitchen journey would be non-traditional, which I couldn't have fathomed how non-traditional it has been, but I, it never was meant to be a catering company. It was never meant to be a popcorn company. It was never meant to solely be a media company. There have been components of all of that, but the central thread, the central why of launching Kanimi Kitchen was to cultivate meaningful connections through food. Emphasis on meaningful because we have so many opportunities to connect oftentimes in a transactional manner. Here's what I need from you. What can I get from you? Okay, we check the box. We're rushing on to the rest of our lives. That's a connection. But meaningful connection is when I can actually look you in the eye, take a deep breath, be human with you, and connect over that alone. There doesn't have to be a big goal or a big ROI at the end of it in order for us to feel successful. We're simply successful because we've shared time, we've honored one another, and food has a very unique quality to do that. Because no matter your title or how much is in your bank account or what you've accomplished in life or what you haven't or what you've lost or the hurt that you've inflicted or maybe sustained, what we all have in common is that we get hungry. We need nourishment. And that's an opportunity to pull us around a table during COVID. I've moved into a virtual space or a virtual table Mm -hmm. and start these conversations in a meaningful way. That's the base. That's the core. And if anyone follows me on Instagram, they do see many different arms of Kanimi Kitchen, but all of them map back to that central purpose. I love that. And we always talk about the heart behind your business. And I mean, food is the best way to get to my heart. So (laughs) I love that. And I mean, just food in general, like, did you grow up cooking? How did you get into that? So I like to say I don't have a memory without food, without being in the kitchen. I'm sure all of us like don't have a memory without food, but I'm saying I don't have a memory without like being in the food, like experimenting, chopping stuff up, going in the spice cabinet, probably stressing my mom out, using all her stuff. I always (laughs) was experimenting in the kitchen. And very early on, my mom allowed me to explore and be right alongside as she was cooking and baking. And she's a phenomenal cook and baker. And it was a really unique time specifically. And I really believe that not only the love for food and connection, but also that quality of time and realizing that it causes people to slow down was really shown during that time with my mom because uh, she was a homicide detective And you don't really put a female homicide detective and amazing cook and baker in the same sentence, but that was true. That was our reality. But her work outside of the home took her outside of the home a lot. And then also, I don't care who you are, it's challenging not to bring some of that stress and weight and trauma home with you. And in the kitchen, there were little pockets of time where we could connect on just a, a different level where she wasn't doing so many different things or concerned with other things. And she would teach me how the food should look 
when it was seasoned appropriately or what the consistency felt like as you're using your whisk. And so I learned how to intuitively cook and connect with food and fell in love with it, started creating my own recipes and concoctions. I've always been an entrepreneur. I like to say I was probably the only fourth grader that neighbors and church people were ordering holiday desserts from. Like I started off with seven up pound cakes and peach cobblers at in fourth and fifth grade. And that just continued. I even had <gasps> little business cards oh my that said something sweet. I just, that was the name of my business. So I don't have a memory. So you ask when, and it's just like, there's always been me, creativity and food. And I also have this analytical side that maybe just kind of dive in and that allowed me to comb through cookbooks for hours, watch cooking shows for hours. And then I have a science background and love for science. So understanding the why things happened, how they did really just created a little culinary monster from the very mm. beginning. <laughs> <laughs> a culinary monster. Yes. A very yes. delicious culinary yes, monster. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. There were definitely some some points where I'm sure my parents were like, we don't know what to do with this one. Uh, I don't know if you ever had an Easy Bake Oven. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. I wanted one of those so badly. And I got one. But you know the little mixes that they came with and you put the water in and you made the little cakes? Yeah. I hated those. So I like hijacked my Easy Bake Oven. I would go into the kitchen and get all types of ingredients and then put that in the Easy Bake Oven. So there are definitely moments <laughs> that I'm sure my parents were like, what is wrong with this one? But oh, it all worked out. <laughs> man, you graduated from the Easy Bake Oven? Well, I probably just got one. Like, I'm just like, you're already using a real oven and I'm over here still trying to mix them. <laughs> I can knock some mean brownies, Ooh. but I'm like, that's about it. So okay. we all have love, love, love. Yep, absolutely. And just like the relationship that you were able to build with your mom through that time mm -hmm. too. Like, I know you said that there's a lot that she would bring into the home or I mean, you just can't leave that stuff at mm -mm. work when you're like, I can't even imagine but tell me a little bit about your relationship with your mom and how that affected your story and mm -hmm. maybe walk me through a little bit up to today. Yeah. So my goodness, we could do a whole trilogy podcast just on mother-daughter <laughs> relationships and I'd have a lot to offer for that. But at the highest level, if I could give you an authentic and honest word to describe our the beginning of our relationship was it was extremely complicated. She was a nurturer in some respects, meaning that she wanted to make sure that we were all provided for, but due to her own childhood trauma, and then you go into a profession that is repeatedly traumatic, there definitely were some complicated moments and some scenarios that <laughs> gave us a lot of room for improving our relationship as I got older. And then if we fast forward to adulthood, just about two and a half years ago, that relationship took another significant turn. And I share this so that anyone who's listening who may have sustained something in your life that felt completely out of left field, completely unfair, completely severe with no quick solution, I hope you hear this with an open heart. But about two and a half years ago, my parents, my mom and my stepfather were in a critical car accident. And that left them both with significant injuries. My mother to the point where she was in a coma and sustained a TBI or traumatic brain injury that resulted in paralysis. So then with that same incident and phone call, my whole life changed. I ended up transitioning to stay in the hospital with the both of them over five months and then transitioned my whole life to move in and to help take care of her on a more full-time basis. And so relationship, whew, 
that definitely sharpens your focus. But I will tell you something, there is beauty in even the really hard and broken places because as she started to regain her cognitive ability, as I used some of those science and medical skills that I had studied for many years to really infuse and embed her every day with therapeutic types of activities, when we could start to communicate, I'm telling you, the restoration that has happened in that relationship has been such a gift. It really has. So hopefully someone hears that and gets some encouragement, even if you're dealing with something that is insanely heavy, that no one can really share the load with you. They can kind of come by and pick it up for a few minutes, but it's really left on you. Just know that, you know, the sun does rise again and look for the really beautiful moments and restoration in those broken places, even if it's still really heavy and really hard. And you carry that with such grace. Like, first, thank you for sharing that. I've heard you talk about your story and Mm -hmm. we've had conversations about it. And it's just so beautiful. And every single time you tell me, I'm still so in awe of you, of how you can pick that up and just completely transition and just say, okay, this is what we do now. Mm -hmm. And the way that you handle that every single day with such grace and showing up for her and your stepdad, like in such a beautiful way and yourself. It's so beautiful. I appreciate that. And I will receive that, but I will also be transparent that there are hard days. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, man, you know, I don't have that. And I still feel completely overwhelmed. You have to lean into the overwhelm. You have to get curious. You have to give yourself an outlet. So if anyone ever just sees me having a full-on cry tantrum in my car, leave me alone. I'll be fine in 20 minutes. Like we all have to have that outlet. So I don't want anyone to hear this and think, wow, you know, I feel weak because I, I don't even have that much to deal with and I'm overwhelmed. It's a journey. And through this journey, there were a lot of lonely and isolating times. Like I hope you never experienced this, but sleeping in a hospital for months on end and you know, my mom, she, my mom was in a coma, like three o'clock in the morning was a really weird space where you can't really sleep. You can't really rest. You're hearing machines. You're taking a look to make sure she's okay. And then you're kind of alone with yourself and your thoughts. Uh, but you heard me give a talk a few weeks ago where a quote just became very real to me where adversity introduces a man or woman to themselves. And it's in those moments where you meet yourself that you have to give yourself grace and where you have to forgive yourself and where you have to even look at your own broken places and heal them and decide to take a different path forward. Because I promise you in those moments where we we did have a complicated relationship and complicated with reason, wow, a lot of those things become less important when you're faced with such a, a severe reality. So I appreciate what you're saying about you know, from the outside looking in, the the grace component. I do want to give everyone a full picture that it does get heavy. It does get hard. There are days that don't feel or look so graceful, but you have to return to that true north and realize that we can do hard things and we can do hard things with grace and humility and evolution and excellence can coexist. And that's the biggest thing that I've learned through this journey and continue to learn because I used to be so focused on just the excellence and the final product. Mm. But now I just know that every day that I can get up and show up for her and myself, dress myself, bathe and dress her, make sure she has food and medication and is being stimulated and taken care of. And the same for my stepdad. You know what? I'm still getting better and changing and learning every day, but I can also see excellence along the way. And I hope we all give ourselves a little bit more 
grace for that. Even if you haven't reached your terminal endpoint, know that you're you're still good. You're still well and good, <laughs> right as you yeah, are. Absolutely, and it doesn't look the way you thought it looked. Starting your business, you said four years ago now. Mm-hmm. How did you run your business through all this? Because we always joke, I'm like, uh, we have 24 hours in the day. Kirby has 47. So, <laughs> but how did you run your business? And you also work a full-time job. And so how did you balance all of that? Yeah. Whew. Some of that is by the grace of autopilot. It's dangerous to stay on autopilot too long, but sometimes it gets you through moments During this time, I had just less than a month before flown back to Nashville from the most amazing 11 days in New Zealand. It was an amazing trip that I'll have to tell you all about that someday, but it was a transformative trip. It was an amazing trip. Came back to Nashville, fired up about my business and fired up about a new position that I was offered at the medical center where I work. I accepted that position and then days later, the car accident happened. And so there was a moment that clicked in where it was really just, here's what we have to do. You show up and do it. And I do give some of that credit to being raised by a homicide detective. We Mm. were never coddled. Everything was pretty serious in my childhood from the beginning. And I'm still recouping some of that because, you know, as a kid, you probably should learn how to play. But so there were some things that were embedded in me from that background and then also sustaining some different traumas as a young person that switched on where it's in hard times, you don't shrink, you do not crumble, you don't get to waste away and not show up. You handle what needs to be handled. And that was embedded in me and that kind of clicked on. So what that looked like was days and days and days in the hospital. I had my laptop (laughs) and I worked Uh, My parents were both in the medical center and where I also worked. So I literally would take a shower, get dressed in one of their hospital rooms, walk across campus, run my new meetings for my new job, and walk back, meet with their doctors, sleep there, rinse and repeat. And then it was oftentimes in that two to three o'clock time in the morning where the dust has settled, the to-do list has, you know, kind of dwindled that, for me, a creative outlet was medicinal. So it was at that time that I was drafting ideas for Kinemi Kitchen. It was at that time that I was putting stuff out on social media. Some people would joke and they're like, we saw what time that was posted. And I'm like, well, (laughs) I needed some type of outlet. So really the pieces came together, but I'm so thankful. Now, granted, rest is important, but if I didn't have my community outside of work, if I didn't have that creative space where I could just pour into, even if it was just a very tired 35, 40 minutes at a time, I don't know if I would have made it, (laughs) period. And then I don't know if I would have made it with any level of sanity. So while it looked crazy from the outside looking in and and still continues to look crazy to people that I balance the three (laughs) of those components, I'm thankful. I couldn't imagine putting any one of those three down. Yeah. And we always talk about filling our cup. And you know, I just love talking about that. But there is something about like when you mentioned the timing in which you would do that and how you would find that creative outlet, pour into yourself. And that was how you kept yourself going. That was how you were able to show up in those other pieces was because you spent time in the quiet for yourself. Absolutely. And I think that's the first thing that usually gets tossed 
So how did you make priority for that? Or was it just like that was what kept you going? I think it was what kept me going. Because if all I had, especially during the time where my mom was in the the coma and my stepdad was gravely ill and I've met with the doctors, we've made decisions, we're sitting there. If I would have had nothing but sitting with that, that would have been really hard. So for me, it was really walking this path of I'm going to seek out the good in this moment. Like something good has to come out of this moment. I have to be able to, and it probably was a little bit of the control mechanism Mm. (laughs) that I want to be able to touch something that has some level of certainty because I was living in a very uncertain environment. And so for me, I knew that if I showed up, whether it was just on Instagram or interacting with people in the community that I've established through Kanemi Kitchen, I knew what would be the return of that. And so for me, it was just really clinging to a bit of that certainty and in getting the energy from that tribe of people. Yeah. And community is huge for you. Huge, huge, huge. Oh, yeah. You talk about how they showed up for you in those hard times. How did you build those relationships and what do they look like in your life today? Wow. People came from different cracks of my life. It was really insane. Again, I hope no one finds themselves in this environment, but the trauma unit in which my parents were patients has a room where you sleep with strangers. Like it's insane. I slept in a room with recliners with with strangers. It was nuts because there was a certain period of time where I couldn't sleep in the actual hospital room. But that room during the day was peppered with coworkers people from all over the medical center community who knew that I was there and knew my family was there and showed up. It was peppered with people from Creative Souls Tribe, a a group that I was a part of, friends, different people that I had worked with their organization and maybe done food for and, and established a relationship with. Like the waiting room in that room was full of just such a diverse group of people on a consistent basis who showed up when I wasn't the version of myself that was fun and giving you great food and and entertaining and connecting, they showed up in some of the hardest and ugliest moments. And Brene Brown talks about this, but like one of the most courageous things that you can do is to not look away when someone is grieving and hurting. And I think that's something that is near and dear to my heart. And that's how I've decided to show up for the people in my life and that established those relationships. And in turn, that's what was provided to me during that chapter. So when you ask how I formed those relationships, it was really through honoring that, like showing up for people, even when it's not convenient, even when you don't stand to gain something from it, even when it's ugly and hard and you may not have the right words to say, that's how I've decided to show up for people in my life. And that's how you build those real authentic relationships. Now, that's not for everyone. And not everyone is on the same level or path or has the ability or the desire (laughs) to do that. They're like, hey, you know, call me when we're going out to dinner. But this deep stuff, not for me. But I (laughs) (laughs) Things you and I have never said. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But surrounding myself with those people. And so what that looks like today is still continued relationships with many of those people. I will say there are a few choice relationships that were there during that chapter that I'm no longer in because you also see during personal tragedy how people 
show up and you have to pay attention to that too. And you're faced with some hard choices, but I w I'm happy to say the majority of those people are still a part of my life, have been along for the ride. And, and not only were they there for me, but they were invested in the growth and health and recovery of my parents. I have a shared album of my phone where I put updates that goes sends out to a few of those choice people. And so I think really inviting people into your world in an authentic manner and showing up for them in their world in an authentic manner without need all the time, without expectation all the time, that's what creates those strong relationships that'll fortify both sides in the good and the not so good times. Yeah. I feel like as a culture, we tend to lean, like you said, lean towards the good times and then sometimes back away slowly in the grief. Yeah, because you don't have the perfect words or it's ugly or I don't want to feel bad or I don't want to feel sad or, you know, they'll reach out if I need something. That's one of the worst things that you can say to someone who's going through something. Just let me know what you need. Make sure you reach out if you need anything. I can tell you from a person who I just feel like I teeter-tottered on the brink of sanity most days. That's one of the worst things that you can say to someone. Sometimes you have to reach within yourself be empathetic, put yourself in that position to say, if both of my parents were on life support and I'm sleeping in a room, or if someone's listening to this, if I were going through a divorce, if I were going through the loss of a child, if I were going through the loss of a job, put yourself in that person's shoes and show up with something unsolicited. And mm -hmm. it's those people who did that, that I, I have just a genuine love for. Not everyone is gifted in that way, but it was such a beautiful thing to see. Like, you know what it's like to be human. You know what it's like to have loss. Even if it's not this loss, you know what it's like. Show up. Don't absolve yourself of the responsibility. Like, well, I reached out to them and I asked them what they needed. That's the cop out. <laughs> Don't yep. look away. Like, show up in a meaningful way. I get fired up about that one because we have to challenge ourselves. We're very emotionally immature at times. And when it gets uncomfortable, we flee. But my God, I promise you, there'll become a day, there'll be a day where you can't flee because it's going to be your own situation. And you're going to hope that people show up for you in a real meaningful way without being solicited. So practice that now. <laughs> That's a yeah. tidbit for anyone listening. <laughs> I love that. Well, too, as you're saying this, I'm like going back through my memory and I'm just like all of the times that you're talking about, I still remember those times because I didn't know what I needed. I wasn't in that that kind of situation. It wasn't that serious. Mm -hmm. It was maybe smaller, but it still was big in my world. And to have people just show up and bring food or bring flowers or chocolate or yes. lots and lots of wine. Like, it's <laughs> just like, show up at my house, just sit with me. And like, I don't know how to ask for like, I just need someone to sit with me or yes. I just need a meal, right? A home cooked meal. Like, I'm not going to ask for that. You weren't going to ask for that. That's right. You put yourself in a human position of loss and start moving, fill in the gaps. Because, oh my goodness, I, again, I, I say this, like I promise you, if you, if and when you sustain a loss of that magnitude, you don't have the language mm. to articulate exactly what you need. And then that feels like an extra weight because your phone is then flooded with text messages and voicemails of just let me know what you need. Just let me know. I'm here for you. And then you feel like, oh my gosh, I have to close the loop and get back to this person. And I'm also dealing with this real life thing. Just, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you put yourself in that position. And if you've done that in the past, that's not a shameful thing. That's like what we do as a culture. We're like, just let me know. I've done my due diligence. But 
I encourage us to let's elevate emotionally and show up how we would need someone to show up for us. And sometimes that's the trouble. We don't actually know how we need people to show up. So that's some root work to do. But Seriously. this is a, it's a good topic. I get fired up about it. So hopefully that helps someone. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Even just talking about this, like your personal growth journey, not just in business, like it feels natural to you because you open it, you have your hands open so wide of opportunity and you listen and you take the meetings and you're so open with your business and personal growth wise, I just feel like you are just constantly growing personally, growing professionally. You are just through the roof with inspiration. And I remember you saying something about like those broken pieces and how they come together. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how your personal growth journey and like what that looks like in a visual? Yes, absolutely. So I learned about a year and some change ago of a concept that I was like blown away. The person who presented it to me was a coworker who's a great person, good friend. They were presenting it in the context of work. But then my brain kind of was like, this is a great analogy for life. And there's a Japanese discipline called kintsugi which we don't have time to unpack all the things, but I'll give a high level. And the concept of that is when a piece of pottery or a dish is broken, that you don't hurry to throw it away. And then you also don't hurry to fix it back together with like clear glue to hide the brokenness and make it what it was before. There are actually trained specialists in this discipline that learn to sit with the pieces, honor what broke it, and reimagine what that piece could be. And when they work to put it back together, they know it's not going to be what it once was, but what it will be is beautiful. And instead of having the places that were broken, hidden, they are actually highlighted with gold. And that resonated with me so deeply when I learned of this discipline, because I have been broken, like wide open. There were some hard conversations that had to happen during this period of my life but they were so cathartic and needed. And it was because everything had been stripped away. The filters had been stripped away. I was running on fumes. I was dealing with some real life hard things. So I had to have some really hard conversations and revelations. But out of that brokenness, where things have come back together, they're stronger. And I don't hide those things. And that's where I firmly believe that will be someone else's roadmap to get through what they're going through a bit more efficiently or maybe wholeheartedly, or maybe it won't fix it for them, but it will offer some empathy and let them know that they're not uniquely flawed or broken, that they're not alone, that, hey, wow, Kirby went through something like this. That's why I share these things. And that's why that concept of those broken pieces coming together and being even more beautiful and stronger than they once were resonated with me so fully. And I, I incorporate that into some of my my talks that I give because I think all of us, no matter what level of difficulty we've sustained, all of us haven't gone through a crazy trauma. Thank God if you haven't. But we all have little things in our lives or big things or medium-sized things or chronic things in our life that aren't what we thought they would be. They don't fit into the picture. They make us feel less than. But I am on a mission to really help myself and others reimagine those pieces and reimagine how it all fits together. So that concept of kintsugi is a powerful one that can be applied in so many different ways. I love it. I remember seeing the visual and for the first time, like you held up the plate and I just, oh, there it is. Yay. Yes. (laughs) Oh, love it. I just remember like a tear rolling down my eye. 
And like having that moment of I'm broken, but I'm beautiful. And my story has value. Like I'm still in the midst of my story and I'm still healing. Like all of that, like all of it. And we always talk about like, this is obviously a business podcast. We're getting really personal because (laughs) business is personal. Business is personal. And if you can't know you well and love you well and accept you well and challenge yourself well, you can't, and you know, somebody can dispute me on this, but you can't show up in your business authentically and your business will never be what it could be. Now it may be successful, but it won't be what it could be if you don't do these things. And so there is an interconnectivity that cannot be untangled. You can't just be a mess and broken and shallow and unfulfilled and misdirected and misguided and apathetic in your personal life and show up well in business wholeheartedly. It's just, they're not compatible. Yeah. So true. So true. And I'm pretty sure looking back at my life, I'm like 2016 was the year that I started my business. Mm. And that was personally the year that I grew the most, I think the most and the fastest (laughs) real quick. Like you get thrown in and you're running and you're learning and you all, you can't run from yourself. Like all the broken pieces start to come up and you're with yourself and you're making decisions and you're leading and you're you're trying to financially support yourself. And to all the new business owners, we see you. We see you. We feel you. And it's just embracing that season of personal growth and knowing that you are growing. Yes. And growth is uncomfortable. Growth sometimes requires you to get sticky and dirty and out of context. Another beautiful visual is the concept of a seed. Imagine a little seed getting thrust into a dark, wet hole and soil is made up of bones and manure and all types of things. And it looking around like, what is this? What is this? Oh, and then you rain on me and it's not getting any lighter. Oh my gosh, that water, it's getting heavier in here. But then over time, it starts to germinate and starts to have a transformation And then that transformation leads to growth that was probably unimaginable for the seed. And then with that growth, you break ground and you see sunlight and you get to pull in that CO2 and then release oxygen. It's like the whole circle of life kind of thing. But at the beginning where it's like, what did I do to get thrown in this hole, this dark, (laughs) wet hole? And that's how I felt. I'm going to be 100% honest. And I don't know if you've had times in your life where you have looked around and you're like, no, <laughs> what, what is this hole? How did I get here? What did I do to deserve this? But step back and realize that that's not your context always. And in that time, you're supposed to be germinating and, and putting down a root system so that when you do break ground, that you can be an enduring asset, not something that kind of just withers away. And that type of visual really does help me calm myself down sometimes when I feel like I'm in a new hole. <laughs> mm, lots of holes over lots here. Of holes. <laughs> just rolling in manure so and bones. Manure and bones. Just over here trying to make something beautiful out of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I mean, I know there's a got to be a lot of business owners that 2020 for them, especially in Nashville, like music industry, restaurant industry, hospitality got hit so hard. And uh, their business owners probably listening saying, yep. Mm-hmm. Manure and bones. Manure and bones. <laughs> Your story is beautiful. 
it's absolutely beautiful. All of the broken parts, all of the healing, all of the gold cracks that were sealed and how you look differently and your outlook on life is beautiful. I know you're working on something and do you want to share a little bit about that and what that looks like and what your goals are for that? Sure. Anyone who knows me in real life knows that there are always a few projects brewing, but the ones that are on the horizon now really are tied into everything that we've talked about so far. I'll start with one project that is more high level and fun. Uh, I have a product line, Kanimi Pop, that I am taking into a a whole other realm and exploring some new possibilities and outlets. Uh, There's been a high demand for a subscription service, so there are all types of things that are happening in that lane. But then something that's kind of tied to business and my soul is a book project that I am working on. I've had the pleasure of being a mentee and now friend of the amazing business leader and guru, Donald Miller. And through that relationship, we were in a session and he said, anyone who's interested in writing a book, raise your hand. And so I did the little half hand like, I'm outing myself. But it was (laughs) through that admission that I was introduced to Allie Fatlin, who is a phenomenal book writer, uh, author, and coach. And I shared a bit of the ideas that I had been mulling over and have been working on for a while. I actually used to all of the time when I was younger. I would just stories for days and reports on things. And so this really was just igniting this passion that I've had in the past. But really with this concept of weaving together my love of food, culture, connection, story, and inspiration and shared that with her during a session and we were off. (laughs) We were off to the races. So that is a project that I am proud of, even though it's still in its infancy state. And so I'm hoping that that will come along and be something that will be a light to others. And the reason why I say a light is because if you are in a dark room and you turn on a flashlight, that flashlight did not create anything that was in that room. It just allowed you to see it and see it differently and see it more clearly and navigate your path. And that's what I hope this book will be for people. I'm not going to give you any magic formula that'll fix your life, but hopefully it will be a light to help you to reimagine what you have access to, reimagine those hopes and dreams that are inside of you, reimagine some of those extremely hard and sticky situations that you feel as though you may be saddled with. I want to help people reimagine that. And alongside that, I want to tell other stories. Alongside that, I want to inspire. And I also want to give you some delicious, tasty recipes. So that book project is underway. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> it's going to be great. Thank you. Oh man. What advice do you have for someone that's listening that maybe wants to share their story in a unique way as well? I'm going to have a blanket piece of advice, which I hate when people give these, but the first piece of advice is just do it. <laughs> then the next, And then you're like, okay, what does that mean? The next layer of that advice would be is honor yourself and honor your voice and honor your vision by giving it time and take the time, make the time, create the time, steal the time, whatever you have to do. And one thing that's helped me, and I'm by no means perfect with time management there, my to-do list is always a mile long. But one thing that has helped me is to set timers on my phone. And that may seem like a very sterile method of approaching a very 
heartfelt thing, but our heartfelt things will stay in our head if we don't provide some structure. Mm -hmm. And so my recommendation for anyone who's listening to this, who wants to tell their story in a unique way, set a 30 minute timer. And if you can't commit to 30 minutes, set a 10 minute timer and let yourself just free flow. What do you want to say? How do you want to say it? Even if it's something crazy, even if you said something like, I want to tell my story on inserts inside of Cracker Jack boxes. Okay, write that down. I maybe want to learn how to do graffiti and tell my story on a bridge. Okay, might be illegal, but write that down. (laughs) Just really allow yourself to dream for little chunks of time. That's not overwhelming, but then that's moving you in the right direction because we all have heard of analysis paralysis, but it's a real thing. And I have someone else in my life who's now become a mentor and a friend, and I've listened to him for years. Uh, His name is Les Brown, who is a motivational speaker. And he called my cell phone about two months ago, wrecked my life, said, you don't belong in corporate America. You have a story to tell, all the things. And he's an international speaker. And through that, he said, Kirby, rob the grave of your talent. Do not go to the grave with everything that you have to offer. Oh, I just got goosebumps everywhere. Someone who is internationally known, has been a mentor for me tangentially, you know, for years to call my phone and say something as powerful. And I want to share that with someone else. Rob the grave of your talents 10 minutes at a time, 30 minutes at a time. It's valuable in your way of living, what you've come through, even if you haven't overcome it yet, I promise you is medicine to someone else. Don't wait until you feel as though you've arrived or you're worthy or that you've overcome enough so that people won't look at you and be like, who is she to say anything? That day will never arrive. It'll never arrive. So rob the grave of your talent, of your story, 10 minutes at a time. That's my advice. Oh, I love that. And giving the heart room to just express itself, just writing it out, exploring it, giving it space, letting it breathe. And creating 10 minutes a day for yourself, 30 minutes. Like that's, again, back to the space of like, that's the first thing to go. That's the first thing to get kicked off our to-do list. But that's the one thing that's going to bring you joy. And maybe that's why you were put on this earth. It's like, you'll never know unless you create time for it. And here we are spending two, three hours a day on our phones. And you're telling me you can't get 10 minutes to write down your story. Like Reimagine your time. Reimagine it. And that's when people joke with me and say that I have 47 hours in a day. I've reimagined my time. I don't watch television that much, and that's a personal choice. I am on social media, but I try to make that purposeful because I've reimagined my time. And I saw two people who were insanely responsible. My stepdad and my mother both had great jobs. She's a homicide detective. He's a national park ranger. Did everything right built this dream house, lived in it for a few years. And then on their way to get an oil change, everything changed for them and for me. And so I say that to say we can get hit with unimaginable tragedy that you cannot recover from quickly, if at all, even if you do everything right and responsible and push everything off to a later date. It doesn't save you because they both were highly creative and wanted to do other things and wanted to travel, but it continue to get pushed off to win, to win. So for me, I have a sharp reminder of that, uh, to reimagine our time and to use it with something that when you lay your head down at night, you're like, I did that. I did that. I didn't think I could do it. And there've been so many things that I've done over this last two and a half years that I didn't think that I could do. 
and that you have more capacity and potential inside of you than you can ever imagine. You just gonna have to give it away out. And that's by, like you said, letting your heart breathe. It's trying to tell you some things, but your head keeps getting in the way. Your autopilot keeps getting in the way. Your bad habits keep getting in the way. So I love how you said that. Let it breathe, let it express itself and it'll show you the way. It really will. Mm. And as entrepreneurs, I feel like that is the biggest battle is between our hearts and our heads. Yes. And you have to trust one and you're going to listen to one. So <laughs> best be letting your heart lead That's right. because it's telling you that in your gut. And it's like, there's a trifecta of just voices <laughs> happening as entrepreneurs. And uh, I don't, I think we can all agree. We're all just a little bit crazy because yes. anyone doing this has got to be a little a prerequisite. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it comes with the crazy. Yes. <laughs> But it's the best kind of crazy. And if it were all said and done today, I have zero regrets. That's one of the things that I asked myself right before I formalized things. And I still have a lot of room to grow and business structure and strategy and all the things. But when I was deciding on the name and I was deciding to put it out in the world, that was one of the questions that I asked myself. And this is even before this incident in my life. I asked myself, if I got to the very end of my life, would I have peace and would I be okay if I never tried it? Would any of my time excuses, would any of my exhaustion excuses, would any of my lack of knowledge excuses soothe the fact that I didn't pursue what I was called to do? And the answer was a resounding no. So that's when I put Kenimi Kitchen out there in the world. And it's been one of the greatest joys and gifts of my life. And I believe that we're just getting started. Well, speaking of giving it time and room to breathe and managing your time well, you have some big news. (laughs) And I want to preface this with, you've been running your business on the side Mm -hmm. of a full-time job at a medical center, showing up and speaking, showing up in your community, taking care of your parents, creating a popcorn company that... Ended up in the Grammys, which is how we got to work together, which was Mm -hmm. so fun. Just all of the things, writing a book, like all of these things. So you are managing your time so well. But tell me about this next big, scary dream that just became real to manage your time. (laughs) (laughs) Big, scary dream is right. So with that, I have been in the entrepreneur space for... A very long time and meaning that I've managed that corporate career and entrepreneurship and then you layer in all the, the life things like you mentioned <sighs> and recently so at the time that we're recording this punk podcast it's fresh like fresh fresh like if you were in fresh dirt we'd definitely be smelling those manure and bones <laughs> like this is fresh that I have um vocalized and communicated the decision to transition from my corporate position and pursue my entrepreneurial endeavors with a more concentrated effort. And while that was a significant decision that resulted in so much beautiful support from my leadership, tears from some of my leadership, uh, it was a, a freedom and it was a gift. And we hold on to things out of security and out of honoring your responsibility But I also just came to a point where I embodied, again, another one of those quotes that you see all the time where it's like, there's never a perfect time. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm still waiting to feel like it's the perfect time. And it's like, wait, no, (laughs) there's never a perfect time. And so I just 
really vocalized and communicated something that I had been thinking about for a long time, not because I don't enjoy my corporate career, not because I haven't been able to thrive in that career, but just because it was it's time to transition. And I'm a firm believer in transitioning well, ending chapters well, maintaining relationship. And I'm thoroughly excited. Like what word is better or bigger than excited to really be able to wake up and pursue Kanemi Kitchen and all that that embodies with the book component. There's a show component that's underway. There are experiences, Kanemi Kitchen experiences that will come back in a completely reimagined way. I'm very excited that I'll be able to dedicate my time and attention to something that is not just a passion project, it's a purpose project. Oh, I love that. It's not just a passion project. It's a purpose project. Mm -hmm. And to the business owners or to anyone listening, if you can say that about your business or what you're doing and how you're showing up, just hats off to you. Yeah. And hats off to you, Kirby. I'm so proud of you. That is a terrifying leap. And I know you loved your corporate job. You loved it so much. And so that's a big, when you're teetering both of those and you have your one foot in and one foot out, it's so hard to operate your business that way. And so, and I can't even wrap my mind around what you're going to succeed when you step fully into this. And so I'm anxiously watching and I'm so (laughs) excited to support you along the way. To the people that are maybe have their one foot in, one foot out. I don't even know if that's a good, like you almost had two feet in and two feet in there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So uh, feeling straddled or spread thin a little bit. What advice do you have to those entrepreneurs? My advice would be no one can tell you when the time is right. No one can give you the perfect formula. And oof, what they said is true. There is no perfect time. You have to really... Learn more about yourself and your design and your strengths and your purpose outside of other people's opinions, outside of other people's expectations, outside of their fears, because those can really take you down a path that's well-intentioned but was never designed for you. So before you make a leap, before you make a change, you really have to dial in and utilize certain resources and whether that's people, prayer, or meditation, um, seeking out counseling services, seeking out professional development services to learn more about you and your design and how you are meant to show up in this world. That's step one. And then you can take that information and have a certain level of confidence in it and true it up to what you're doing in your corporate life, true it up to what you're doing in your entrepreneurial life and then make some decisions from that space. And no one can tell you when the right time is for that. But I would highly suggest turning inward, getting quiet, getting still, learning more about yourself outside of the labels that have been put on you and the things that you have done, always done, really get to know you, get to know your heart, forgive yourself, then make your decision. The piece is completely different at that point. So beautiful. So, so beautiful. And this is raw. This is, this is so raw. This is in the midst. Like we're recording this and we just had this conversation yesterday and you had yeah. just had this conversation. So it's like. That's right. This is woo, fresh, fresh. Yeah. But I love to hear you went through your own advice and are now sharing that. It's just like you said, your story is someone else's medicine. And so anyone listening to this, 
use that as your medicine and yeah. just do the work. So <sighs> Kirby, you are such a gift. And I'm so glad that I met you. This is just such a beautiful like relationship. And yeah. I've just enjoyed your friendship. I've enjoyed your inspiration. Everything about you has just been radiating so much joy since I met you. And oh I'm so excited for our listeners to be able to hear this and just hear how you're spreading light in their life as well, too. Where can our listeners connect with you online and maybe stay involved in the Kanimi kitchen? Yes. First, thank you. And this is a gift to be able to open up and share a bit of my story and hopefully encourage other people. But then I am a firm believer that we encourage ourselves along the way. So this is much needed for me. So thank you. And for everyone listening, I would love to connect. Let's stay in touch. One of the best ways is through Instagram. And I can follow along there and learn about upcoming events and projects and product releases. So they can follow along at Kanimi Kitchen on Instagram. And then if they are so moved and want to read a little bit more or engage further, they can head out to kanimikitchen.com. Wonderful, wonderful. And we always love to do this. What is one final piece of advice that you would like to leave our listeners with today? There's so much. I would love to leave them with that piece of reality that time is finite. And today may feel the same, but it's not the same. Each day that we have the opportunity to wake up and have the right movement of our body and control of our mind, even though some of our days might feel like our minds are controlling us, every day that we have those gifts, that capacity is a new opportunity for potential because it's not the same. Time time is finite. And that's not a morbid reminder. That's an encouraging reminder that we get opportunity to strive. So don't just survive. And there's a quote that says, learn as if you'll live forever and live as if you'll die tomorrow. So just keep learning, keep being open, soak up everything that you can that is authentic to you, but live those moments, call and talk to those people that you love and you care about. Take those risk, do something that scares you and makes you feel alive because we only get one trip around this thing. And we want to make sure that we we leave it all, that we rob the grave of all of our talents and our abilities. Mm. So beautiful. Inside and out, just like you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kirby, for being here. I am so excited for our listeners to connect with you online. And I am always so excited to connect with you in real life and just supporting you along the way. So proud of you. Hi there, Amber here. If you're loving the show, go find that little subscribe button on your podcast app. This will ensure that you won't miss a single episode. Until next time.